Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Multi Movie Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Dean Holtzapple. With me, as always, is uh, George Rogers. And uh, sorry for the delay. Uh, scheduling has been crazy. But here we are to finish out the month of movies movies we love to hate, even though we don't hate this movie at all. Um, yeah, and even though this has only been two. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, you, you know, February is a short month, so it happens. Whatever. Um, and then at the at the end of the show, we'll uh, we'll talk. We'll touch on Peacemakers uh, episode seven and eight. Uh, we'll finish that up because you know here, and then uh, and then we'll uh, rock and roll. But um, man, what a wild week! Uh, um, I know. Uh, before we jump into uh, to this um, gem of a movie. Uh-huh. Um, we were going to talk a little bit about uh, Ivan Reitman because he had passed away. Mm. Yes, um, and we haven't we haven't recorded we since then. We were originally going to record, but we haven't had a chance to jump on since then. Yeah, we talked a little bit on in the last episode, Big Geek Energy, but you know, we're, you know we are essentially a movie podcast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it it only feels fitting to to like say a little something about him on here. Absolutely. Um, you know, D, uh, obviously, Dean and I are, are big fans of his work. I know, Dean, you for one think Stripes is one of the funniest movies ever made. Yeah. Right. So it's probably my favorite Bill Murray movie. Yeah. I mean, it's. If it's not Stripes, it's, it's, it's Caddyshack. And then, then it's Ghostbusters. I've, yeah. I've said that before. Yeah. And he didn't even direct Caddyshack, but I think he did produce it. Um, same thing with um, Adam Lyle. Yeah. I think he did have some sort of hand in it. But yeah. I mean, you figure like any like, like major comedies of the. Uh, of the eighties, early nineties, he's had some sort of hand in him one way or another. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he had a hand in Ghostbusters Afterlife too. So yeah. Um so excited. So, I mean, well, not it, excited, but it, it it was good that he got to see um you know he got to see that franchise come back to a respectable yeah. To, yeah. To respectable and, and, and to uh to piggyback off that real fast, um I was when you, me and Chris were talking the other night about uh I don't remember what we were actually talking about, but I had brought up that Ghostbusters Afterlife had made just under two hundred million dollars. Um, just to put that in perspective uh, to our, you know, our listener out there, um, that uh, I said this to Chris and in Chris and George here tonight. Uh, this movie only made thirty-five million dollars less than the two thousand sixteen version, and this did open up in a pandemic. Um, so you'd have to think if maybe maybe if the movie had got postponed another six months, probably would have made more money because um, it did pass Ghostbusters 2016 um, domestically by I think by like fifteen million dollars. So so it, it did it did beat it out domestically and it, it fell just short. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, overall, but it it was it was I'm happy he got to see that franchise like you said really kind of return to glory um yeah so that was i guess that was i guess that's a fitting fitting send-off for him yeah yeah i mean it's yeah. um it's almost poetic in a way yeah you know? now i'm even more bummed that i missed out on the afterlife panel at new york comic-con last year because i didn't stay in new york city overnight because he was there yeah so um and also i mean ivan reitman was the guy who saw you know some sort of comedic potential in Arnold schwarzenegger yeah, you know, with twins I mean, and and junior. Yeah, and kindergarten cop. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, because even Arnold said that you know all other studios and directors wanted was just to have you know was just 
him to have different ways to kill people on screen. And Ivan Reitman's like, you know, I think we can use this guy. And and, and Arnold has great comedic time for someone who's not actually a comedian, but he is, I mean, he's funny in, in all the movies that he's in. Even though Junior is not that great of a movie, but Arnold Ooh. is hilarious in it, especially when he's in drag at the end of the movie because he's in like that women's uh, yeah. uh, like retreat. <laughs> ah, great, great movie. Um, Ivor Reitman is definitely going to be missed. His, he's got a legacy that uh, I want to say be unmatched, but it's pretty untouchable what he's done. You know, I don't think any other director in that genre is going to do anything even, you know, I mean, people really aren't making comedies these days anyway. And if they are, they're all mm-hmm. dick jokes. Yeah, it's it's lowbrow humor, which which I'll get to at the end of the podcast about when we talk about uh, Peacemaker um, mm-hmm. uh, as a whole. Because obviously we'll, we'll talk about episode seven and eight and then give like an overall feeling yeah. of, of the show. So, um but with that being said, let's let's get into the movie um, so we can blow past this and stuff like that. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, so uh, we're doing we're doing blown away. Uh, everybody, I apologize if my sound is off. Um, the studio computer I typically use is down. We don't really know what's wrong with it. We 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 lost. We tripped a breaker um, the day of the Super Bowl. I think it was, or might have been the day after, and it hasn't been able it hasn't come back on since so we don't actually know what's wrong with it um we're trying to figure it out me and my roommate so um so i'm using my laptop and my airpods so um so if i don't sound as clear as i usually do or whatever uh, i i do apologize um <clears throat> so i'm going to try to not lean away though i think pretty sure my microphone is attached to my airpods so i probably could i could probably walk upstairs and still talk but um <clears throat> anyway so we're doing Blown Away. Um, George, when was the first time you saw this movie? I was probably in my 20s. I saw this on TV. Yeah. It wasn't like I, I actively sought it out. It just kind of came on TV and I was watching. I'm like, and the first thing that grabbed me, and we're going to talk about it at length. In this movie, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was Tommy Lee Jones's uh, Irish accent. Yeah. Or Lacta like, Rob. Uh, yeah. I was like, uh, <coughs> Sure. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, my first time seeing this was three months ago when I texted you. <laughs> <laughs> so let me tell everybody this story, right? Please do. Um, I'm almost positive I was watching uh, an Arsenal game. Um, and then I walked away for a little bit. Um, I'm almost positive that's what I was doing. But then I remember somehow turning on Epics or whatever channel it was. I might have just been channel surfing. And then stopped or whatever. I I don't remember. But then this was on, and I started watching it. I must have caught it within like the first fifteen minutes of the movie coming on. And then I was just like, I'm not changing this. I'm kind of hooked. <laughs> and I ended up watching the whole thing. And I was going. I remember saying to myself like, that was pretty good for a night. You know, a very prototypical '90s action film. Um, you know, this is the Michael Bay movie that Michael Bay didn't make, pretty much. <laughs> <clears throat> so, George, you there? George? George? Oh. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I, I cut out while you're talking. Oh, okay. But I'm All back. Right. Um, so. so. So, did you? So, you said like you jumped in there probably like 15 minutes in. So, you, did you 
not see the actual beginning of this movie or did you go back to watch it? Remind me of what the beginning of the movie was because maybe I did catch it. Uh, Tom Lee Jones breaking out of the jail he was in? Oh, no, I did see that. Yeah. <laughs> so then I, I did see the whole movie then. My, my mistake. Yeah, it's like, how did he smuggle C4 into a prison? How? <laughs> and we'll get there. So... <laughs> Yeah, we have like from the jump. (laughs) (laughs) Blown away. (laughs) Released (laughs) July 1st, 1994, with a budget of $28 million, with a box office intake of $53 million. Directed by Stephen Hopkins, written by John Rice, Joe Battier, MJ Roach. Is that DJ Roach? That is DJ Roach. Yeah, it is DJ Roach. Yeah. Yeah. Um, story by John Rice and Joe Battier. Uh, music by the great Alan Silvestri. I do like the score of this movie, though. Uh, it's very Alan Silvestri-like. Um, yeah. <laughs> starring T- Jeff Bridges. He made an appearance. He made an appearance. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones, Lloyd Bridges, Who also Forrest Whitaker, Susie Amis, um, Amos, Amos yeah. John Finn, uh, Caitlin Clark and Mike Starr. I know that name from somewhere. Oh yeah, him. <laughs> uh, Mike Starr. He was. Um, you know him. I know him as the guy who was uh, who, who was fed rat poison by Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber. Yep, that's exactly what. That's exactly what I was going. I know with. him as. And, uh, uh, I know him as low rent Danny Aiello. Yeah, and Cuba Gooding Jr. Is Cuba Gooding Jr. in this movie? Oh yeah, yeah. he is. He is. I'm sorry, he's one yeah. of the. Uh, he 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 doesn't have a name. He's just a. Uh, I think he went by Cuba. Gooding Jr. So uh, this actress here, Susie Amis, do you know who she's directed to, or know who she's uh, married to? No. She is uh, the current wife of James Cameron. Really. You know her best as being Rose's granddaughter in the beginning and end of Titanic. Of course. Right, he's been with her since 2000. Yeah, they probably met on, they probably met during Titanic. Probably. Because it sure as hell didn't meet to a necessary James Cameron movie. Yeah, it shows. He's been married five times. Six. Five. Yeah. Yeah, that's why he has to keep doing Avatar because he owes so much alimony. <laughs> I don't think he owns that much alimony. He's literally the highest grossing director of all time. Yeah, he yeah, he he makes more money than anybody else. He's definitely paying off his ex-wives. Are you mm-hmm. telling me Jim Cameron doesn't make more money than Linda Hamilton? Or Catherine Bigelow? Yeah. I mean, what has Catherine Bigelow done besides Zero Dark Thirty? Realistically. Oh, point break. Forgot point about break. that. And near yeah, dark. Also forgot about that. And the you whole answered your, I, question. You answered I your own question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Get her pregnant leave as a single mom. My God. <laughs> All right, George, take us away. So Stephen cool. Hopkins, before we jump in here, Stephen Hopkins uh, is probably not a, a common name that most that most people know. I know him because he got his directorial debut doing Nightmare on Elm Street 5. Mm, okay. And then immediately did Predator 2 afterwards. So, you can see why he was tapped to direct this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm still on her. Oh, yeah. I need to go back. I was like, 
This movie takes place in 2005. <laughs> yeah, I was I was on Susie Amos's page. Did she take place in 2005? Uh, it, something to do with her career. Good. Irish Republican Army fighter Ryan Garrity escapes from his cell in a castle prison in Northern Ireland after turning a toilet into a bomb, killing a guard and his cellmate in the process. Yeah, that's the entire opening. Long-haired, uh, greasy, long-haired uh, Tommy Lee Jones turning a toilet into a bomb so he can escape. There is no rhyme or reason as to why this man escaped from jail. None. Absolutely none. Just that he didn't want to be there anymore. That's true. And I'm assuming all <clears throat> North Island prisons just look like castles because that should look that's like... All, that's all that's in Ireland? Yeah, that looked like current day Alcatraz, the person he was in. Anyway, in Boston, Lieutenant James Jimmy Dove is a veteran member of the police force's bomb squad on the verge of retirement, helping to train newer recruits. Dove hides that he is really Liam McGivney, a former member of the Northern Ireland terrorist cell. Such, such an Irish name, Liam. Of course. Yeah. I'm of just course. surprised everybody's not Liam Liam. Seamus or Bono in this movie. <laughs> that should have been uh, Tommy Jones. <laughs> Bono. Bono Garrett. All, all three. Yeah. <laughs> Lean Bono Seamus. <laughs> uh, he had been friends with Garrity, but when Garrity tried to set off a bomb that would have killed numerous civilians, he interceded, ending in a death of his girlfriend, who was Garrity's sister, and leading to Garrity's imprisonment. Devastated, McGivney moved to Boston and took on a new identity, hoping to find atonement in saving others by defusing bombs. Only Dove's uncle, retired Boston police officer Max O'Bannon, is aware of his past and encourages Dove to retire early, feeling he has done his penance. Now, Max O'Bannon is retired because he picked the wrong day to quit drinking. So that's, which is weird for an Irishman. Lloyd Bridges is the only person who has a convincing Irish accent in this movie. Mm -hmm. So, hey, let's let's give a little backstory, right? So, we yeah. told my we told our friend Kevin, who's my roommate, that uh, I asked him if he'd ever saw this movie. He said no. I told him Lloyd Bridges is in it, and then later that night, as I was sleeping, he watched it because Lloyd Bridges is in it, and I think he assumed it was a comedy, and he was like, "That wasn't funny, especially when Lloyd Bridges died." <laughs> I was like, I didn't say it was a comedy. <laughs> He's like, that movie wasn't funny at all. <laughs> Kevin's at this point where he assumes that every movie that Lloyd Bridges was in was a comedy. He's gonna, go back, he's gonna go back and watch. He's gonna go back and watch High Noon and be like, hey, this western isn't a comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Why is he fighting that other man in a gunfight? I'm not laughing at this. <laughs> the, the weird thing is that there's really not even anything to break down on this because no, <laughs> this is like this paragraph I just read was literally just like the backstory to the movie. Mm -hmm. None of this actually happens in the movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like somebody did, and they're like, "Hey, here's the backstory," and now we're going to get into what the movie is about. Oh, good gravy. Why is it so long? 
<clears throat> Garrity sees Dove on TV and makes his way to Boston, taking residence in an abandoned casino boat because that's something that's hanging around Boston. It's just abandoned casino boats as far as the eye can see. He takes a job as a janitor at the police station to learn more about Dove's present life and his coworkers. Garrity sets up bombs specifically designed to kill the rest of the bomb squad. The, f- the first victim, Blanket, <clears throat> that's his name, Blanket, is Oh, I didn't know Michael bomb- Jackson's son went back in time. Yeah. Hey, he, not only did he go back in time, he was also killed by a bomb placed under a bridge on the night of Dove's wedding to his fiancée, Kate. Later, at the site of a fake bomb threat, technicians Rita and Cortez are killed by an explosive hidden in their bomb disposal robot, who they treat like their child, which is odd. It's like, oh, he's a good boy. It's like, you control him. Dove receives a call from Garrity and realizes that Kate and his stepdaughter, Elizabeth, are in danger. He rushes home and finds no bomb, but his dog, Boomer, has been killed. He explains his true past to Kate and convinces her and Elizabeth to go into hiding at Max's seaside cottage. Garrity's third bomb almost kills rookie technician, Anthony <clears throat> Franklin, who has linked Dove's former life to Garrity, but Dove rescues him and Franklin promises Dove any assistance he can offer. So, good Lord, that's about like 45 minutes of the movie just right there in that paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so Garrity's at a bar and he's Oh, we lost George. Uh, George? Hello? So, uh, we lost George, uh, and uh, i sorry about that. Um, <clears throat> uh, we, you might lose me, too, because I'm not hardwired like I usually am. George is back. I was just explaining. I don't know if you were hearing me. I was explaining that you could lose me, too, since I'm actually on the Wi-Fi opposed to actually hardwired for once. Thanks. So, Thanks. I don't know how... I don't know how trustworthy the connection is going to be tonight, everybody. So uh, just bear with us. So bear with us. I guess as long as one of us is talking, it doesn't really matter who. So at the very least, yeah. Always always just say it's Chris's fault. It is Chris's fault. Yeah. 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 I'm going to rant about him at the end. Not about him. It's something that he he told us the other day that uh that made me that that I was mad about. Oh, is it about how we don't get any sponsors? <laughs> yes, actually, it is. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it. Yeah. Um, first, one specific sponsor I want to rant about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, so he's at a bar, and he's just doing what Irishmen do when they go to bars. Uh, drink, drink and listen to the cranberries. And sing songs. <laughs> drink and listen to the cores. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize your dad was running a bar in Boston. I didn't, my, I didn't realize my dad was Irish. <laughs> yeah. It's all news to me now. Yeah. It's all, it's all coming up Millhouse. <laughs> Is it? I guess. It's not that it's coming up Ralph Wiggum to me. <laughs> so now he, he sees him on TV and he's like, ah, Liam. Like, and just has like an epiphany. And then decides, I'm going to go to Boston and kill people. Yeah. No way. No rhyme or reason. He's just like, nope. fuck this guy. I'm going to kill his friends. So um, on the night of uh, Dove's very Irish wedding mm-hmm. to, his, to his girlfriend, uh, his best friend, Blanket, who was, uh, I think he was the number two in the bomb disposal unit to mm-hmm. him. 
was killed from a bomb that's placed under a bridge, which he was in the safest point. But the way that it was rigged up was that the was that the concussion blast was going to deflect off of a metal sheet across from him, and he was going to get the full brunt of the of the bomb, which is what happened. Um, and then Rita and Cortez are taken out because since since Garrity is a janitor at the uh, at the police station. He just stuck a bomb inside their bomb disposal robot and obviously went off killing them. And Dean, you brought this up when you were watching the movie and then I Did brought I? it up to you. Um, <clears throat> this whole movie could have been avoided if the Boston PD just did background checks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to apply anywhere, you have to give a social security number. So, <laughs> I mean, how, how would they not have, and how would they not have known that their current bomb disposal man uh, is not a former, you know, member of the IRA? IRA. <laughs> oh yeah, the janitor they just hired. Yeah. <laughs> And you can tell he's Irish because he's wearing that Kenny hat. Yeah, that's a giveaway. He's wearing he's he's wearing that uh he's wearing that 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 golfer's cap that Irishmen tend to wear in movies to let you know that they're Irish. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. Classic. Classic. So after uh Reed and Cortez are blown up, you know, there's a nearby phone which rings for one reason or another. And Todd Millie Jones is on the <laughs> other end and he's you know he's got he's got Jeff Bridges who made an appearance in this movie to uh, you know you know taunt him over the phone but it's like oh I know I'm building a new state called chaos and its currency is anarchy or some bullshit like that it's like yeah it's I, awful awful fucking, line fucking <laughs> I, I, yeah. I can guess so I I guess I mean it was a good scene it was a good taunting scene I'm just not believing anything that Tommy Lee Jones is saying yeah. Because I'm having a hard time believing that he's Irish. <laughs> uh, yeah, or anybody in this movie is Irish. And then, I don't know if you picked up on this, but when when Jimmy explains his past to his wife, he all of a sudden acquires an Irish accent. Who, wait, who did you say? Jeff Bridges. When he's, when he's telling oh, yeah. his backstory, he immediately just breaks into an Irish accent. It's like, you didn't have this the whole rest of the movie. Like, it didn't matter. You didn't need to hide it in America. Because no. clearly Max doesn't, so you know, are we, people look it's like, oh, I'm looking for a bomb maker. He has an Irish accent, so he's like, oh shit, I better, uh, I better hide this. He's like, oh, I'm Jeff Bridges now. Um, and then Anthony Franklin, who is played by lazy-eyed Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> hey, <laughs> <clears throat> oh, is that the line? <laughs> That's the line right there, man. You gotta stop with that shit. You know, yeah, fact, I, this, this podcast is done. We're over with. Goodbye. Yeah, we'll never, we'll never get sponsored by Rotten Tomatoes now. Oh yeah, you fucking god forbid. You know what? Ooh. Fuck it. I'm gonna say it right now. You know, there he goes. No, first things first. I want to thank Chris. Uh, I give him a lot of shit, but it's out of love. He's one of my closest friends, um, and one of my oldest friends. Um, you know, he he tried to get big. He tried to get Biggie Energy some sponsors. Um, and we listen. You guys hear us on this show. We do. We swear a lot. We say nasty things and stuff like that. But 
you know, we're not, we're unfiltered. Um, that's just how we are. But I don't believe for a second that Rotten Tomatoes didn't take us on or didn't want to sponsor us because of our language. I think they probably heard how much we bashed them and wanted nothing to do with us because I am unabashedly against Rotten Tomatoes. And I've never, I've never hid that. And I think I bring it up a lot when we talk about, when we actually talk about movies of how, how much of bullshit I think Rotten Tomatoes actually is. Um, and I'm kind of glad that that whole Rotten Tomatoes critic movie talk YouTube bullshit's kind of dying down because they really dictated fucking the way movies pre- perform for a while. So mm-hmm. I'm almost positive that's why they, they might have told Chris it was because of her language. I bet you they heard we, I heard one of us say fuck Rotten Tomatoes. They're not going to sponsor a podcast that openly says fuck Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> or they probably heard us say that we don't trust anything that they say and we watch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We we bashed them plenty so um, but but again i preface again i do thank chris for for trying to get sponsors for the podcast i'm I'm sure some of them have said hey you guys your language is a little raunchy it is what it is but i mean i mean mean, that's what we know that ign said but at the same time i haven't paid attention to ign since i need to get uh vice city (sighs) cheap foods you know, 20 yeah. years ago. now they now they're they're just another pop culture place i'm not even a video game site anymore yeah now now you're just with comicbook.com you don't even pretty much you're not even a thing anymore you're just kind of there yeah pretty now, much g4 on the other hand i'm like all right maybe g4 uh, they're not they're not the same either nah. no but they're, i like them with, I like him with xavier woods though I, i've seen a couple of stuff with woods he you can tell he's having the time of his life so yeah but, but they're not the same as they used to be. I mean, it's cool to see some of them back, but they have this one host that's an absolute fucking retard. So, <laughs> the one that attacked the fans on YouTube. Oh, Do you yeah. see that shit? Yeah. That clown. Yeah. And then they, then they lost a shit ton of subscribers when she when she said that shit, which was hilarious. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now they're like, please like us. <clears throat> no, we're fun again, guys. Uh, yeah. Uh. All right, let's continue this. Yep. <clears throat> oh. God, this is why there's so many big paragraphs. This movie is two hours long and it feels like four. Max decides to stop Garrity himself, trying to get close to him at an Irish bar, but instead ends up captured by him and latched into a makeshift bomb. Dove tracks down Max and goes to retrieve his tools, but Max, realizing that Garrity had created the bomb to kill both of them, intentionally triggers a bomb while Dove is away, sacrificing himself. And analyzing the bomb's debris, Dove finds a roulette ball that points to an abandoned that points to the abandoned ship where he finds Garrity and Garrity reveals that he set up another bomb in Kate's car and arms it via radio signal then activate activates a Rube Goldberg S mechanism to trigger an e- yep <laughs> to trigger an even larger set of explosives that would destroy the ship Dove engages with Garrity in a large melee fight throughout the ship Go- Dove gains the upper hand and handcuffs himself to Garrity preventing him from leaving preparing to die to keep his secret and prevent any more deaths. Dove is saved by Franklin at the last second, having followed Dove to the ship and the two escape in time before the ship explodes, killing Garrity in the process. Um, Max die. I mean, uh, it's not a great scene because I, you know, nobody likes to see a character that you've kind of, that, that you like, nobody likes to see them die on screen, but Mm -hmm. that whole like exchange between Max and Jimmy, when Max is, is, hooked up that's actually my favorite part of the movie because you can tell like max knows he's like all right you know this is the end for me and jimmy kind of really doesn't know what to do and he knows that ryan has the upper hand yep 
And I, I like all that. And then Max is just like, Max knows that this is a no-win scenario. So he's just like, I'm going to, you know, fuck it. I'm going to move and whatever triggers happens is going to happen because it's going to save mm-hmm. Ryan. Um, and it's, it, I, I just love that whole, I love that whole scene. But also they, they, they don't mention the fact that that Kate and um, her daughter were hiding out at Max's seaside cottage. Maybe I did mention it. Yeah. Yeah. They're hiding at the seaside cottage, but Garrity shows up there, you know, and he's talking to, he's talking to the daughter, uh, Elizabeth, and then Kate comes over and they don't know who he is, obviously, because why would they? Yeah. Um, but what threw me is that Tommy Lee Jones sounded like he was trying to do an American accent while also doing his Irish accent. He could mm-hmm. have just dropped the Irish accent altogether and just. That's ex- it's exactly how it sounded. But then kept drifting in and out of it. I'm like, uh, okay, yes. And then when Doug finds him at the ship, he's dancing to you too. Which yes, he is. Now, this is not. Didn't the surprise time, anybody. This was not the time of the that we had earlier. You know, a year prior in the Fugitive. No. <laughs> this Tommy Lee Jones was the Tommy Lee Jones we got in Under Siege. <laughs> Which, I mean, I, I enjoy Under Siege. You enjoy Under Siege. I do too. I do too. But, th- but this was the Tommy Lee Jones we got in this when he's just randomly dancing to U2. And it was only the same, it was only two U2 songs that they played. It was like the only ones they could get licensing to. Uh, I, I still haven't found what I'm looking for and with or without you. Yep. <laughs> like this the well, which is funny because that album was already five years old at that point. No, it was when did uh, Joshua Tree come out? 87? Joshua Tree was 87, I think. Yeah, so that so it was seven years old. They, they at this point they'd already put out two more albums. <laughs> it wasn't even like, hey, let's play Lemon. And uh actually yeah. I don't think I don't think uh yeah, I don't Zuropa think Tommy Jones is gonna, I don't think Tommy Jones is gonna be dancing anything on Zuropa. You would. Uh I, yeah, 93. 93 Zuropa came out, so so Lemon should have absolutely been in this movie. Oh, I agree. Lemon! Consider how this movie is a lemon. Hey. In the sunlight. But like that he random ass- Oh my god, this is still happening. <laughs> Where's your Irish accent? How do I even know you're Irish? Oh, excuse me, sir. Thanks. Shannis? <laughs> do you think it's a good thing to bring this down into our house? Look how the barber texts to him. Let's have never text to strangers. <laughs> it always comes back. back. It always comes back. <laughs> but that stupid, like, Rube Goldberg, like, breakfast-making machine bomb that, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I guarantee the, the whole, the basis for this was I saw Pee-wee's Big Adventure and I'm going to make something <laughs> like that, but with a bomb. It's very possible. Because I feel like at any point they could just kick one thing out of the way. It's like, well, no bomb. But it's it really wasn't even that good of a fight because Jeff Bridges was 45 and mm-hmm. Tommy Lee Jones was knocking on the door of 40 at this point. Uh, if he Jeff, wasn't, Jeff if he Bridges was, is older than Tommy Lee Jones? I something, he's, or, he, or he was somewhere, or he was already like north of 40. Um, they I think they're probably around the same age. They are Tommy actually. Jimmy, Tommy Lee Jones will be 76 this year and jeff bridges will be 73 this year okay so yeah, all right, yeah. and jeff bridges looks way better than tommy lee jones does yeah 
Yeah. All right. So, so, well, so what do you expect? What do you expect? Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is a rough and tough Texan who probably eats a ton of meat. And Jeff Bridges is from Los Angeles, California. Of course, he's going to look better. And a pretty boy. Yeah. I love Jeff Bridges, man. We got to do more of his movies. Well, maybe he'll make an appearance on the show. I hope so. We're never going to find the answer to that. Ever. <laughs> the two race back to the city, hoping to stop Kate before she starts the car. <clears throat> they arrive too late, but are able to catch up to Kate, and Dove jumps into her car. He finds the complex bomb and manages to defuse it in time. As they recover, Franklin tells Dove he knows his past identity, but will keep it a secret if he can take credit for taking down Garrity. Dove agrees and gives Franklin his beeper before leaving with Kate and Lizzie. The ending was just terrible. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can just. I don't. You all right? I, watched the, I watched the ending of the movie. I'm like, this should have been more climactic, and it wasn't. Uh, yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, but that's Finn. That's that's the end of the movie. Good. Oh, <laughs> Good. <laughs> so, uh, <clears throat> out of ten, honestly, I give it like a six and a half. Uh, yeah, I I enjoy it. I think it's yeah, a fun I'll, action film. Yeah, I'll give it a six. I think it's yeah. it, it, it's it's one of those things. It, it's a it's a by the numbers '90s action movie, j- j- just like Broken Arrow that we did mm-hmm. uh, last month. It's it's by the numbers, you know. It's it, it's not it's not a very good cast, and I think everyone in this movie has been completely miscast. Yes, yes. like <laughs> except for like Lloyd Bridges. Yeah, but like you had, like you you have a movie. With you're doing a movie about Irishman. Where was uh, where was Richard Harris? (laughs) But you you didn't put any Irishman in this movie. That's what I'm saying. Like you You didn't even put any British people in this movie who could have just faked being Irish. (laughs) This was tailor made for Sean Bean. Where was Sean Bean? Where was Pierce Brosnan, who is Irish? So what you're telling me is this movie should be remade with Pierce Brosnan and Sean Bean. Like li- literally, <laughs> I was just about to say, Sean Bean could have been Tommy Lee Jones's character, Pierce Brosnan could have been Jeff Bridges' character, and Richard Harris could have been Lloyd Bridges' character. Oh my God! Michael Gambon could have been uh, could have been Lloyd Bridges' character. For him too. He would have calmly asked them, if, uh, <laughs> would, "Did you put that bomb in the oven?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did you put the bomb in the goblet of fire. <laughs> or in, you know, as the remake that Chris is going to start, did you put that fist up your ass, Chris? <laughs> <laughs> Legend. Yes, <asked> calmly. <laughs> yes, calmly. He fisted calmly. <laughs> uh, favorite scene um, I actually really enjoyed the like when he confronts him on that like weird boat hideout he's got the casino boat yeah I didn't think that was a bad part of the movie yeah 
uh, for, for me, I, I did like the phone call between them after Rita and Cortez are killed. But yeah. as I said, my favorite scene is 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 when Max is hooked up to the bomb. And he's talking to Jimmy because yeah. because it's like it's like Max knows that this is the end for him, and Jimmy is just trying to not accept that. And he's yeah. like, "No, I can I can save you. I can stop this." And he's like, "No, like this is you know this is meant to take us both out." Yeah. Uh, least favorite scene. Every time they broke their Irish accents, which happens often. Yeah. 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 But uh, but yeah, I like I enjoy this movie. I think it's a fun action film. Yeah. Um, that wraps up. Wait, but you know what? Oh, though? I kind of I kind of miss that because movies like this nowadays go straight to DVD. Yeah. Or they go true. straight to streaming. That's but true. you know, there's no fun like action movies that go to theaters anymore because they're not going to make any money because there's no market for it anymore. Well, that goes back to what I always say though. The, you know, I know we've had you myself and Chris have had this discussion and it's kind of a controversial topic, you know, with a lot of out, a lot of legacy directors speaking out about it that, you know, comic book movies are kind of ruining cinema but it's not listen let's just call a spade a spade it ain't dc that's ruining the cinema because they can't even fucking make good movies at this point right now it's the mcu has it it saves cinema because you know a movie like spider-man no way home comes out and makes it, it makes almost two billion dollars in an 18 month period that no movie was making more than like 500 million dollars because of a pandemic but also at the same time it ruins cinema because that's all that's making money now is MCU films or Star Wars films. Even though there was some hiccups with Star Wars, four of those five movies that they put out made a billion dollars. So, it's, I mean, it, you, it's, you know, all, you know what I mean. It's it's a double-edged sword. It's yeah, really what it, it is. <clears throat> it's it's all comic book movies and it's all sequels to beloved franchises. Yep, it, it, stuff like that. Like, like that's all that's making money. Um, there were a couple movies that were in theaters that I thought looked good that I mm-hmm. did, I mean, I unfortunately I didn't end up getting to the theater to see them, and I kind of felt bad about it, because yeah. I wanted to see these movies, but, like, I heard, like, I, I wanted to see The Last Duel with Adam Driver, and I did, too. Dave. It's up on HBO Max now. Yeah, it's up on HBO Max, yeah. but it's the point, like, I, I kind of mm-hmm. wanted to see these, and I heard it was really good. Yeah, well, I mean, to be fair, there was a period of time, I don't remember when that came out in the theater, but, like, from, like, James Bond, when Bond came out on October 8th, until like um, No Way Home, a shit ton of movies got released. So, I, I mean, listen, movie tickets aren't cheap um, unless you want to go see a matinee, which is fine. I mean, that's a lot of what I, you know, if I don't want to see it, I usually go on a $5 movie day or a matinee, but there's a lot of movies that came out in like a two-month period, and you just had to pick and choose what you were going to go see, realistically. Yeah. You know? And, I kind of, and I also, I mean, this is up on HBO Max now, also, but Nightmare Alley. I wanted to check that out. Yeah, Dude, same here. Same here. And it, only, it made half its budget at the box office because that's a shame because I love Guillermo del Toro. And it looked good too. It's like you know, it's like, it's like neo noir. Like mm-hmm. it looked, you know, it looked exactly. It's like, a remake oh, too. We haven't had a good, we haven't had a good noir movie in a while, mm-hmm. and then Guillermo del Toro gives us one. But people are like, um, oh, I don't know any of those people. I'm not going to see it. But didn't that go <laughs> kind of? Didn't that kind of also go up against No Way Home? Uh, it came out December first, so mm. so well, it came no, out. It, it, no, no, December seventeenth, so it came out like right after. 
Yeah, there was no way it was going to compete with No Way Home. Yeah. There was just there was just no way. I mean, it, um, did get, I mean, it got nominated for Best Picture for the Oscars. That'd be cool if it wanted though, because yeah. I think he's already got a Best Picture Oscar for Shape of Water. Yeah, I'm almost positive he won the Oscar for Best either Best Film or Best Director for that. Yeah. So, but um, that wraps up Blown Away, everybody. That wraps up the you know the two movies we did for the month of February. But you know, life life happens. You know, what are you gonna do? Um, so let's move on to Peacemaker, um, episode seven and eight, um, and then kind of talk about the whole thing. You know, the sad part is I don't really remember what happened in episode seven. Um, episode seven is when he fought is is when he fought his father. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so I kind of had a problem with the white dragon suit. Um, why was he essentially Iron Man? like why could why could this guy fly in this suit um but i i think everything between cena and patrick were was really good um like like i've said before cena was absolutely hands down the best part of this show um he is the main reason you know we'll talk about it let's let's finish this episode up first but um was that also the episode that Mern died too or did yeah, he die in six? Di- okay, was it, was no, it seven yeah, as well? Yeah, Mern died in the beginning. Of the episode, I actually yeah. kind of felt sad because I actually liked yeah, Mern. Like yeah. yeah, I thought it was a good character. Him him and Cena were my two favorite characters in the whole show. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw that ridiculous cow. Um, <laughs> that was ridiculous too. And then of course, an I episode... Expected nothing, I expected nothing less from James Gunn though. I was actually expected to be a giant cow. <laughs> That's what I was like. I was like, this guy's going to put a giant fucking cow in this part, isn't he? I was almost happy. I was almost happy. <laughs> It to be the creature from the beginning of Guardians 2 that they're fighting <laughs> while, Mr. while Mr. Blue Sky is playing. <laughs> I was almost half expecting that. Um, you know, if this is a, I'm really surprised that Michael Rooker wasn't in the show. Yeah, and and Nathan Fillion. <laughs> so, and Sean Gunn for that. <clears throat> yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll be in season two. Um, I, I, I thought episode eight was pretty good too. Um, mm-hmm. You know, of course, we got a little bit of a controversial cameo by the Justice League, depending who you're talking to. I mean, <clears throat> if you weren't gonna, if you weren't gonna bring back Gal for whatever reason, travel schedule, whatever it is, you know, what I mean, because she's clearly on the contract as as Wonder Woman. So, and you weren't gonna bring back Henry Cavill. You were gonna have somebody that kind of looked like him as a silhouette. Why didn't you just have Aquaman and Flash? Just have the two of them show up. That's my question, um, because all you, all you did was kind of, if you weren't going to have everybody there, <clears throat> then why not just have the two people that are going to be there who are going to interact with each other? I think if they just showed up, I don't think anybody would have complained. I didn't really have a problem. I mean, I was a little indifferent. Like, I okay, fuck, fucking fish joke. I've been hearing it my whole life. It's it's one of those jokes that just do nothing for me. But I mean, it, it's no different than any some of the other jokes we hear in some movies. I mean, Joker literally made a reach around reference in the Snyder Cut, you know. So you really can't complain about that. I I mean, I think it's a dumb joke, mm-hmm. you know. I don't. I'm not. But I'm not like, oh my god, I'm so offended because they made a yeah. fish fuck joke to about. I'm more or less like that's the best joke you can come up with. You know what I mean? Like, well, like, well, like there. I mean, there's also the people <laughs> on Twitter who, and this is, and. It's a touchy subject because it's clear that 
that the DC fandom is divided down the middle. It's probably more than Super Star Wars has yeah. ever been. I've it's, never seen a fandom this divided before. It's Snyderverse fans and then everybody else. Well, and, I think there's multiple factions of what's divided. Yeah. And I don't but, even think like, it's Snyderverse fans. I think it's people like but, who might not even like Man of Steel or BVS, but go, yo, Justice League was fucking legit. Why are we not getting more of that? You know? Yeah. <clears throat> but but the, at the same at the same time, and I was seeing this with a lot of you know, you and I follow a lot of the same people on on, on Twitter, a lot of the mm. uh, a lot of the a lot of the restore the Snyderverse people. Mm. Um and they started hitting to like a level that I kind of wasn't expecting. Like they were like bitching to mm. high heaven about the cameos. I'm like, and I'm just like, why can't we just be happy? that they showed up yeah i mean i think a lot like, of people I was, like, like i was happy that we got the camera i'm like wow you actually got like you actually got jason momoa for this yeah you actually got Ezra um, like, like they were like you know what yeah let's do it let's go for it i and think clearly, um clearly gun had plans to bring in batman because we saw the one stunt double yeah so clearly there were plans but as <clears> least, <throat> there was some reason they could use him yeah, and we I know think we think we know the fucking reason is warner brothers yeah. Um, no, I think a lot of people did end up eventually eat their words and kind of realize that like James Gunn, and, and I don't want this to turn to a rant because I'm very, it's not going to be a rant. And I don't want to sound like I'm complaining about, um, a group of people that I am a part of. I'm very much restored to the Snyderverse. George, you know that Chris knows that the fans know that, but I'm all, I am also a DC fan. You know, I've been reading DC comics for over 30 years. So when I sit here and go like, yeah, I mean, I don't really you know, one like I'm more pissed off about the Flash being a bastardized version of Flashpoint than I am that it's a potential to erase the Snyder movies. That's where I look at it as. Mm -hmm. Like you literally could have just given us a proper Flashpoint movie. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm more pissed that the Flash is not going to be fighting any of his rogues. He's it's a web it's a movie that weaponized to to change the DCU. That's what I'm more pissed off about. Of course I'm pissed off as a Snyder fan about that, but mm -hmm. I'm more pissed off as a combo fan. But I think a lot of people did kind of get carried away with that. Um, I think James Gunn was trying to do something fun, trying to do something like good. And obviously, like everybody at Warner Brothers, you know, the powers that be step in and fuck something up. But um, I enjoyed it. I mean, I thought it was I thought the action was really good in episode eight. Um, oh, man, that whole scene where where Peacemaker, um, <clears throat> Hardcore and Vigilante we're just yeah. mowing through. Yeah, I thought that was great. That's what I wanted the whole series. I was hoping for just some, like, I wanted, like, an essentially what I was hoping with this series was kind of what I was hoping for with the Suicide Squad movie, which everybody knows I'm. it's really hit and miss with me. I really was hoping for, like, an 80s-style action movie. Like, I didn't really want a lot of dialogue. I didn't want a lot of, I didn't even need a great plot. I just wanted some really great action and and, like, but with this, I will say, I think Peacemaker was much better structured and written than I think the Suicide Squad movie was. Right. This was way better than that movie. Way better. Kind of, like, I was surprised how good this show was. I'm actually kind of glad that <clears throat> he waited until episode eight to give us that, mm. like, that big fight scene. Because I'm like, you know, like, that's, like, that was worth waiting. Like, yeah. like, that's, like, that's the juice that was worth the squeeze as you as you often say, it's worth the squeeze. Like mm -hmm. that was worth getting through the other seven episodes. I mean, and, and not, not that the other seven episodes, episodes yeah, that they were not bad, they were bad but, yeah. but that fight scene, it was just like this. It's like this. Yeah. This is what um, I wanted. That's what I got oh, too. 
overall as a show, um, I I do enjoy. I do think the first two episodes were a little bit of a tough watch. There was it was just way too like comedic, and I was like, oh, it, my like I said before, my initial thoughts was, oh my god, this is just going to be more of what I didn't like about the Suicide Squad. But then when when he they started toning, you could see they toned the comedy down a little bit. I was like. Okay, this is what I wanted. I wanted James Gunn to flex his ability to make you care about the characters. Yeah. Now, I really still kind of I didn't really care about um, uh, Amanda Waller's daughter. Uh, you know, I didn't particularly care about her. Um, I still really don't like John Economos. He was better in the show than he was in the movie, but I still ultimately don't really care about his character. Um, also, fuck Steve, fuck Steve Iggy for his stupid fucking tweets. Um, I will, I will, um, I will say one thing though. The... Oh, we lost George. Uh, so um, while he while he recuperates, um, you know, I'll just keep going. But um, like, I thought Mern was really good. Um, I thought Harcourt was really good. I thought she was a little OP sometimes. Like she was a little too good at fighting. Like I understand she's like a you know a federal agent and all, but she was like. She was a little too good. Yeah. Um, but overall, she was a good character, and Cena just carried this fucking show. Yeah. Like he yeah. really took this show on his on his back and was like, I'm gonna do everything the best I can to make this show awesome. And he did. And I think it's funny for a guy who spent his whole wrestling career refusing to turn heel, he's playing one of the biggest scumbags I've ever seen. Because <laughs> Peacemaker's a scumbag in this show. Yeah. He has, he's got a heart, but he's he's a scumbag. Yeah, he's a scumbag first, and he's got hurt. Um, the one thing I did like, and uh, I kind of, I don't want to say I felt this in, you know, in, in the same way, but when it's after Economos plants the, the Sonic Boom helmet in the barn, mm. and he's walking out, and Lachlan Monroe's character stops him, and he goes, you know, why does your human do that to his beard? And then he just kind of stops, and he just, you see he just kind of gets in, it's like, oh, no, it was never popular, Mm. Never had Michael Gross. You know, you could kind of see where it was just like, like Cena really like cut him down when he was calling him Die Beard. Yeah, and yeah, you know, as I was I'm like, wow, like that was especially I was kind of like especially powerful scene, just kind of for mm-hmm. what would have just been kind of like a throwaway joke with it, with him being Die Beard. Like that had like that brought some emotional weight to it at the end. Yeah, yeah, like, this is really where I think Gun thrived i and i think a lot of people because i mean listen people can make excuses all they want suicide squad was a massive failure at the box office for dc and that's why james gunn is basically relegated to tv um he's even admitted to that that the only thing he's got on the docket is basically spinoffs of this movie um which we did get we are getting a season two of peacemaker um i've heard rumors that the other spinoff show is Ratcatcher two um Unfortunately, I don't really have much desire to watch that, so I don't know if I'm going to watch that. Um, that might be a show with George. If you watch it, I might just wait to binge it. Like you can tell me how it is, kind of you know keep me in the loop, but I'll probably yeah. binge it. I just her she she's a beautiful woman, but her character did nothing for me. In I mean I don't know if if the rat's there, maybe I'll watch it. <laughs> yeah. uh, Ratatouille, whatever his name was. <laughs> Sebastian. Sebastian. Oh, um, Sean Gunn does his mocap. <laughs> please. Um, but no, I think Gunn really excelled. I think this is what everybody was expecting out of the Suicide Squad. And I think the fact that this isn't what we got with the Suicide Squad is probably why it was a massive financial failure for them. I think so. he used 
I think he used he used the humor in the first two episodes to lure in some casuals. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like the humor doesn't work for, for us to, you know, that, that much, but for but for like people who were kind of new to it are like, you know what, like, yeah, that's that's kind of funny. I'll get into it. So like the humor brings them in and then it and, and then it just hits with everything else with your character development. Cena all of a sudden became a great actor. Yeah. Like, damn. Hey, 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 Dwayne, that's something else seen as better at you then. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so I, I overall, I, I did. So when I looked at my rankings, not my, my ratings on Twitter, I took the average of it uh, and it came up to a 7.3, um, which I rounded up to a seven and a half. And I would say that's probably right around where I would give it maybe a seven and a half to an eight out of 10. Um I mean, it, you know, it's not the greatest DC show of all time, but it's one of the better ones. I will say that. Um, I will say it's definitely one of the better DC shows. Um, and I'm excited for a second season. I, I really am. I, I didn't think I would. And, you know, as somebody who is really kind of spurned by, kind of burned by DC right now, like I, I feel really betrayed by them. Um, it is kind of nice to be a little excited for a DC property, especially because the one thing I should be excited for, which comes out next week is I'm not excited for it at all, which is the Batman. Um, and George and I are going to review it um, much to kind of my dismay, but I feel like we're going to see it. We're going to review it. And then we can be honest and truthful to everybody about our, our feelings. George might like it. I might hate it. George might hate it. I might like it. I, who knows, who knows what we're going to feel going out of that movie. So, I mean, I do think you and I are on different planes of expectations with the film, but you know, I've, I mean, there have, I been have... Movie, there have been movies I've expected to hate and I was like, wow, I loved it. And then there are movies I was, I would go in to see and be like, dude, this is fucking terrible. Like, I can't believe how bad it is. You know what I mean? So I don't know. <clears throat> I, I mean, I don't have, too, I don't have too high of expectations for the Batman, but I'm, I'm learning, I, I'm learning from my previous, um, from my previous mistakes with Batman. Right. Um, I was, I was hesitant with the Dark Knight because of mm. Heath Ledger and the Joker, right? And I ate my words on that. I was hesitant with Ben Affleck as Batman, and I ate my words on that. Mm. So I'm, I'm not going into this like oh fucking Brad Pitt. I, I was like, I'm learning mm. to not judge it before I see it. Right. And once I see it, I'll be able to. <clears throat> Uh, I'll be able to give um, some sort of um, fair assessment. Fair, yeah, and that's um, and that's that's ultimately why I'm seeing it and not waiting for it to come on HBO Max, is so I can get. I mean, obviously we're going to re- review it, of course, but so I can just give my fair assessment. So I can go see it and I can be done with it, and then I can just leave it in the rearview mirror and move on to a movie that I'm really excited about. Well, obviously Doctor Strange, but if we're talking about DC is Black Adam. So. Um, but we'll talk about that later on. Um, I think we're gonna. I think Biggie Garrity is gonna really touch on these big releases. For the, I mean, this is a massive year for movies. It really is. Like so, uh, we'll talk about that more. Um, yeah, I'm gonna. But uh, I'm overall, gonna what, start, what's your score overall for Peacemaker? Uh, I don't have a number score for it, but I'll give it a B plus. Okay, that's probably about a you know an eight out of ten. I'd say seven and a half, eight, what, somewhere in there. Exceed, which exceeds my, which kind of exceeds my expectations because I didn't. Mine know what too. You to it um, i mean i did like the suicide squad i know you i know, I know you and chris uh well I, I know chris hates it 
I, Chris I, hates I it more than I do. There are yeah, parts. I, there are parts I really enjoy about the movie, though. It's it's very hit and miss with me. But I mean, I'm. It, the thing is, um, I get excited for the movies. So when I watch right. them, I'm like, no, it's entertaining. If it keeps me entertained and I'm not sitting there poking holes in it the whole mm. time, then you know, the, the, then I'll enjoy the movie a little yeah. more. Um, you know, like I said, I I didn't like Suicide Squad, um, and I didn't like any of the marketing for this show. So being very, very pleasantly surprised with it was a, was really nice. It was really nice to be invested in it. Um, I do plan on, I would like to binge it um, again. So uh, I'll probably get to yeah, that really soon. I'm probably going to watch it again. I think I also might revisit yeah. Swamp Thing also. Yeah, just, man. Just about how much I like Swamp Thing. So. Um, but everybody, uh, that's, that's our episode for this week. Um, stay tuned for this weekend. Uh, some somewhere between Sunday and Monday, we'll get out my birthday episode, um, which is going to be Return of the Jedi, um, and our season one retrospective review of Book of Boba Fett. We're just gonna, it's perfect to put those two together. So, um, but um, sorry, I had to reply to a text message. Um, guess what kind of eggs I like to eat. Um, but um. With that being said, um, thanks for listening. <laughs> I'm trying to get words out here. I'm trying to word, but uh, and uh, we'll see you in a few days. Uh, and then, of course, you know, the first weekend of the month, we're gonna do we're gonna do the Batman. So, um, yeah. Um, all right, <laughs> that's that's it. We're done. We're done. I've been Dean Holtzapple. <clears throat> I'm Sojourn Rogers, and we will see you in the multiverse. <laughs>